So Hebrews 11, and I'm starting at verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the, des- the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Well, hello everyone. My name is Evan. It's great to be with you. Great to share God's word with you. So let's pray that God would give us understanding of his word. Heavenly Father, your word is light and truth and salvation. And so we pray, help us to listen to your word tonight and help us to hear what you have to say to us. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, tonight I need a little bit of audience participation, so I need one volunteer who can come up and help me with something right now. So don't be shy, don't be shy. Come on, good, thank you. Come on, Joseph, come on down. Thank you, Joseph. Please welcome Joseph. He was brave enough to come and... I had, I had no trouble getting any of the kids to come up at 9 o'clock, but you lot, no one wanted to... Go on, Joseph. Now, here you go, Joseph. Um, I, for you, Joseph, I have this Mars bar. This is yours. You can have that. You can keep that. But let me ask you a question, Joseph. Joseph, do you trust me? Good, that's the right answer. But do you trust me enough to give me back that Mars bar if I promise to give you something even better by the end of the sermon? Yeah? All right. Good. I'm, I'm really glad because otherwise this illustration doesn't work at all. <laughs> Um, thank you. Thank you, Joseph. Please thank Joseph for coming down the front. Thank you. All right. Um, uh, and uh, when I did do it at nine o'clock this morning, little Lucy Vandercoy, actually, she really held on to that mask, but she did not want to give it back. No, so why, why am I uh, doing this? Why am I telling you about this? Uh, well, when the talk is weak, give out chocolate. That's one reason. But two, um, it's a hot night and it's the end of a hot day. And so I want to give you kind of the big idea right up front of what I want to talk to you about tonight. And, and that is about what faith is. I want to tell you what faith is about. Uh, we've been learning about faith the last couple of weeks. And I want to say to you tonight that faith is a choice. It's a choice to give up something in the short term for the sake of something even better in the long term, because you trust someone. That's exactly what Joseph did then. You know, he gave up his Mars bar because he trusts that I'll keep my word. I'll give him something even better by the end of this sermon because he trusts me. And that's exactly what faith is. You know, I mean, when you boil down what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, 
That's actually what it's about. We trust Jesus and we trust him specifically enough to, to give up things in the short term, to, to suffer for him, to go through hardship, to, to persevere and be faithful to him because he's promised us something so wonderful in the future. He's promised us not just the forgiveness of our sins, but even eternal life. That's actually what the gospel is. Um, and that is what Hebrews 11 means when it talks about back in verse 1 that we looked at a few weeks ago, verse 1, uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that's the lesson of faith that Moses is going to teach us tonight. So, you know, if it's been a long day for you, you can go to sleep now. I've given you the big idea already. You can have a little rest now. But let me kind of fill in some things. Because if you have been here for the last few weeks, then you'll know that we have been looking at what faith means. And each of the great heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 has a little different thing to teach us about faith. Uh, So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we learned about Noah. And Noah, well, what did Noah do? Well, Noah believed God. God said, there's going to be a flood. It's going to destroy the whole earth. So build build an ark, build a boat. And I'm sure that when the rain started, I'm sure that when the waters were over their head, every single person believed the word of God. But when did Noah believe the word of God? When God did but speak. That's faith. And then last week, there was Abraham. Abraham, well, he believed God, but Abraham, he also hoped. You know, Abraham, he was a wanderer. He was a nomad. He'd lived his whole life in tents, and he he had no family at all, even when he got to the very end of his life, he thought. But God said, I'll give you a son. I'll give you a family. And not only will I give you a family, I'll give you a land where your, your, your huge, big family will be able to live forever. You'll finally have a home. You'll have, as it's described in Hebrews 11 verse 10, a city with foundations, an offspring, a, a family, and your, your wandering will come to an end. And Abraham, he hoped that God would keep his promise. That's faith. And now today, Moses, well, Moses, he believes and he hopes But Moses also chooses. He chooses to give up something in the short term for something even better in the long term because he trusts God. And so let me explain from the the life of Moses. What are the choices that Moses does make? Well, he refuses in verses 24 and 25. He regards in verse 26 and he perseveres in verse 27. He he refuses, he regards, and he, he perseveres if you're the type of person who likes to take notes. But first of all then, Moses refuses. Now, do you remember the story of Moses? It's a great story. It's well worth reading. Uh, The great-grandson of Abraham was a man called Joseph. And because of famine, God's people, uh, really just a a kind of an extended family at that point, they went down and and lived in Egypt. It was just kind of Jacob and his sons, including uh, Joseph at that time. Uh, But Joseph... Uh, when he was down in Egypt, he was able to be both a prince of Egypt and a prince of the Hebrews at the same time because Israel and Egypt were friends. But by Moses' time, some 400 years later, uh, the Israelites had grown very numerous and the Egyptians felt threatened by them. And so the Egyptians, they enslaved them, they treated them very harshly. If you remember the, the story of being forced to make bricks without straw and the Egyptians have even went so far as to start killing the Hebrew baby boys because they, they thought there was just too many of them. 
which is how Moses ended up, if you remember this story, being rescued through a basket being thrown into the Nile River and eventually is adopted into Pharaoh's household as the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Um, but Moses realised in his life as he grew up, he realised that the day was coming, and in fact it had already come, where he couldn't be a prince of Egypt and a prince of the Hebrews, that Moses was going to have to choose to be one or the other. And Moses, he does the unthinkable. Have a look at verses 24 and 25. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, he refuses to be a prince of Egypt. He refuses to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And instead, he chooses to be what? A slave. A a miserable and and mistreated slave. That's a a dramatic choice. It's a defiant choice that Moses made. And it's a choice that it's it's hard to make sense of. And Moses, when he makes this choice, he he burns his bridges with Egypt, not just in his heart, uh, but even in reality. And so if you remember the story, there's a story in in Exodus chapter 2 that uh, uh, Moses comes across an Egyptian taskmaster who's mistreating one of the Hebrew slaves. And what does Moses do? Well, he kills the Egyptian and then hides his body. It was a a defiant act of rebellion. And Moses realised that being faithful to God meant choosing a side. He realised that being friends with God means you you can't be friends with the enemies of God at the same time. You you have to choose. It's impossible to be friends with both. And then you have to live with the consequences of that choice. And when we become a Christian, we do the same thing. When we do the Christian, we have to make a choice. When we choose to follow Jesus, then we also have to make the choice to reject those who are the enemies of Jesus. To reject what the New Testament often calls the world. And when the New Testament talks about the world, it's often talking about the sinful world that is in opposition to God. That is the enemy of God and all of his plans and purposes. And the world, well, the world in the New Testament, the, the word that we use um, that's in the, in the Greek to describe the world is the word cosmos, from which we get the word in English of cosmos. But it's also where we get, where we get the word in English, the word cosmetic. Because the Bible says that the world is beautiful, but it's also deceptive. It's superficial. It's, it's shallow. Uh, it's, it masks darkness and evil and even the demonic. It makes them appear much more attractive than they actually are. And so the Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 2, he says this. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. That's as true now as it was in Moses' day. Moses realizes that the world that he is rejecting, the world of Egypt, is the world of sin. It's the world of darkness. It's the world of those who are the enemies of God and all of his plans. And so he chooses to be mistreated as a slave rather than to enjoy that world. Now, I think most Christians today, we're we're not in danger of choosing the world over Jesus, at least I hope not. 
I think our temptation is much more subtle, isn't it? Our temptation is that we want to have both, don't we? We want to have both, everything that God has to offer us. We want all of the joy and the peace that comes with knowing Christ, to know that He hears our prayers and helps us in our need. We want to enjoy the community of God's people. We want all of those things, but you know, we also want everything that the world has to offer as well. We want all the, the pleasures that we can have there, the pleasures of sin, of greed, of success, of achievement, of accomplishment. We want everything that the world has to offer. And it fits very nicely in with the ethos of our world, doesn't it? The world that, that tells us all the time, you can have everything. It's very subtle, isn't it? You know, the, the world doesn't attack us and say, you know, don't, stop following Jesus. Instead, come and, come and do what we want. It just says, no, you can have it all. You can have both. And so why don't you have both? Why don't you have it all? But when we have that attitude, you know, we, we become half-hearted in our commitment to Jesus, don't we? And we don't say to Jesus what we need to say. We don't say to Jesus, Lord, I'm yours. Everything that I have, all that I am is yours. And everything that you do in my life is right. And so even if that means facing an uncertain future, even if that means that you'll test me, even if that means a life lived in obscurity, in exile, in the wilderness, which was where Moses ends up, then whatever it is, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll be faithful to you. You know, we can be so half-hearted in our commitments, can't we? You know, we'll pray to God, but only when we're in trouble. We'll come to church, but only when we feel like it. But Moses knew you can't have both. You've got to pick one. To choose God is to choose to reject the world. And so the world will reject you. And so Moses makes the unthinkable choice to choose slavery over a palace. And I mean, he, he refuses to be a prince in what is the richest, the most powerful, the most impressive empire of the day. Moses could have had anything that he wanted, you know, a, a secure, wealthy life of privilege. He could have had an executive spot in, in BHP. Back then, that, that's building huge pyramids, by the way. You know, he, he could have built some of the monuments that last to this day, uh, the great wonders of the ancient world. He maybe even could have been the next pharaoh. But he gives it all up to become a mistreated slave. I mean, this is kind of like choosing to be a homeless person over being the head of a Rio Tinto. That's kind of the equivalent choice that he's making. So how does he make that choice? Why does he make that choice? Well, second point then, uh, Moses, he not, only, uh, he not only refuses, he also, he, he regards in verse 26. That is, he considers, he thinks, he reasons, he weighs up in verse 26. Let me read it to you. Um, Moses, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, this word regarded or considered, depending on the, the translation that you, you like to read, it's also what Abraham did, by the way, last week, back in verse 19. Uh, but it's, it's a thinking word. It's a reasoning word. He's, he's using his mind now. Before Moses made that monumental decision, he weighed up all the options and considered them very carefully. It is, it's the antiques roadshow 
word. Has anyone here, anyone seen Antiques Roadshow? Surely there's a few of you. It's the guilty pleasure of many, myself included. And what happens in, in Antiques Roadshow is, you know, someone kind of digs something out of their attic or their basement, some sort of antique, and then they go off to the, to the expert and it's on TV. And, and, uh, and then the expert regards and considers and weighs up, you know, examines the item, hears the story of how they got it and how it came into their family and um, you know, uh, it tells you how it, who made this and where it came from. And then uh, eventually, you know, they think about what the market is like and who might like to buy this. And eventually they put a value on this object. It's a, it's a really fun show. Actually, the old episodes were much better because that's when everyone was surprised that something that they dug, some mouldy thing that they dug out of their basement was actually valuable. These days it's a bit dull because everyone's disappointed that this random thing they found in their house is not worth about a million pounds or something like that. But, th- but that's what Moses does. You know, before he makes his choice, he sits down and, and he looks at the two lives that are laid out before him, you know, Prince of Egypt or a Prince of the Hebrews... And he says, which one's more valuable? Which one has the greater reward? Which one will even last longer, the kingdom of Egypt or the kingdom of God? And, you know, whichever is the most valuable one, that's the one I'll pick. For he was, as it says there in verse 26, he was looking for the reward. He was looking forward to what he might receive from God. It sounds kind of funny that you would be faithful to God for a reward. And yet that's exactly what Hebrews 11 is saying. That actually the reason to be faithful to God is because he does reward you. Have a look. If you've got your Bibles open there, come back to Hebrews 11 verse 6 for just one moment, just to make this point. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Well, that's obvious. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so all our heroes of the faith here in Hebrews 11, they're all looking forward to a reward. Noah, why did he build the ark? Because he was looking forward to being saved from the flood. And Abraham, why did he do what he did? Well, because he was looking forward to the promised blessing. So too Moses. He's looking forward to what God will give him. And so Moses, he looked at all the rewards of Egypt that he knew so well and that even he could have had now. And then he looks to the promised rewards of God and he says, you know what, I'll go with God. That's more valuable. That's better. That lasts longer. And so I'm going to go with God. The promises of God were more valuable to Moses. The rewards of God were were so worth it. They They were better than all the riches and wealth of Egypt. Moses said no to them. And he said, instead, you know, he said the reproach of Christ, the uh, disgrace for the sake of Christ Jesus is worth more than all the treasure and wealth of Egypt. Now, he didn't know the name of Christ, but in hindsight, that's what he was doing. Moses looked at all the delights and wealth of Egypt and said, it's not enough. What God offers is better. In other words, it's exactly what Joseph did tonight. You know, he made the choice, Moses makes the choice to to go without something in the short term for the sake of an even greater thing in the future. Why? Because he trusts God. That's what Joseph did. Joseph trusted me that if he gave that chocolate bar back, I would actually give him something better. And, And what has Joseph learned? What has Joseph received? 
Well, he's received a very important lesson about trust. No, he hasn't. I've got something for you. Come on. There we go. I keep my promises, don't I? Otherwise, the illustration doesn't work. But I keep keep my promises. But that's what Moses does. Moses trusts God. And so, yes, in the short term, he's willing to give up. He's willing to give a lot up. Because in the long term, he knows God will give him something even better. But that was his reason, thought out, considered, weighed up conclusion. You know, a lot of people, they want to say that, you know, faith in God, it's a, it's a blind leap in the dark. And faith is a leap, absolutely, I'll agree with that. But it's never blind. It's considered, it's weighed up, it's thought through. Faith thinks, faith asks questions, faith assesses. All of these things are an important part of faith. And yeah, sure, being a, a Christian can be hard. We are called on to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. And like Noah... Our faith means that we will condemn the world and so we will be condemned by the world. And like Abraham, our faith will be tested and we will not always pass. But obedience to Christ will mean giving up all sorts of earthly satisfactions and delights. The truth is we cannot have it all and be true to Christ Jesus our Saviour. And so we think, we consider, we assess And we conclude, along with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is no hardship that we experience. There is no suffering that we are afflicted by. There is no pain. There is no loss that is worth even comparing with the glory that is in store for us through Christ Jesus, our Saviour. Do you know that? Do you understand that? I hope you do. I hope you know it. Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to know this now. You know, it's one thing to know this and to make this choice to follow Jesus when you're, you're feeling spiritually powerful, when you're feeling close to Jesus, and when you're, you're young and optimistic about the future. But it's another thing to be faithful to that choice when the hardship and the loss begins and when the pain mounts so how do we persevere in this choice how do we keep faithful to that choice to trust jesus and keep making those sacrifices how do we we endure well that's the third thing that moses does moses also in verse 27 he perseveres he he endures to the very end and how does he do it Uh, well Uh, Moses, he did have to stick to his choice through some very hard and uncertain times. And hard and uncertain times there were. Uh, Moses was very proud of himself that day when he he killed the Egyptian overseer. Uh, He'd chosen a side. And Moses was thinking of of, of the victory that he had won for the sake of his people. And perhaps he even thought this is the beginning of the rebellion, this is the beginning of the the uprising, a, a bold insurrection in the name of freedom. And the Lord God Almighty. And he probably even thought that he was the perfect instrument in order to lead his people out of slavery. After all, did not Moses have it all? Moses had all the education, all the wisdom of the Egyptians was his. 
He had all these wonderful leadership skills. He had all the, the connections in the, to the corridors of power. He understood how the Egyptian government worked. Surely he was the best person to lead Israel. Surely Israel needed Moses. Then a really fascinating thing happens. The day after Moses killed the Egyptian taskmaster, and you know, when he was proud of the fight for freedom that he had begun, Moses actually comes across two Hebrews who are fighting. And he thinks, you know, yeah, yesterday, you know, I made that choice. I'm no longer going to be a prince of Egypt. And here now God has given me the opportunity to be a, a prince of the Hebrews. I'll, I'll solve this dispute and then all Israel will unite behind me and, and I'll be able to lead us to, to freedom and throwing off the shackles of the Egyptians. And so he walks up to the two of them and, and he says, you know, why are you fighting? Your brothers, why, why are you doing this? But one of them turns to me. In fact, the one of them who was in the wrong turns to him and, and he says something suspiciously Australian in Hebrews chapter 2, sorry, Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. He says, Who made you ruler and judge over us? In other words, you know, who died and made you king? Are you thinking of killing me like you killed that Egyptian? You know, the Hebrews reject Moses. And Moses doesn't understand it. He's shocked by it. He's thinking, but, you know, I, I killed for you. You know, I, I chose you. You need me. But actually the Hebrews turn their back on him. They're even afraid of him. And now Moses has to make a second choice. And it's a much harder one. Yesterday he'd chosen God over Egypt. But now he had to choose whether or not he would back down from that choice. Uh, whether or not he would kind of uh, flee to Pharaoh and hope Pharaoh would be merciful or whether or not he would run away, uh, run away into exile in the wilderness. And that was a much harder choice. And what does Moses do? Well, he wouldn't be in Hebrews 11 if he didn't choose the unseen over the seen, if he didn't choose to be faithful to God. And even though it meant that Moses had gone from having kind of two people to zero people within... 24 hours, Moses does run off into exile in the wilderness. And it really is an unseen choice. Moses doesn't know how this choice is going to work out. He has no idea. He has no clear word from God like Noah or Abraham did. And obedience to God now looks like living out his life as a failure, as a nothing, as a shepherd in the wilderness, on the very fringes of society, in danger from bandits, in danger from, from wild animals. And what a complete waste of all that education. Hopefully the sheep appreciated his leadership skills. And Moses lives out his 40s and his 50s and his 60s and his 70s as a, a tired, forgotten old shepherd in the wilderness. Until one day when he's 80 years old, he sees a bush that does not burn. And he hears the voice of God say to him, take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground, and I have a job for you. So how did Moses do it? How did Moses endure? How did he persevere through all those long years of exile? Have a look at verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. That is, he endured by looking to God. 
He persisted because God was his focus. The invisible God that he saw by faith. In other words, he he fixed his eyes on the one he trusted. And there's something subtle here, but I think something quite important. Because in this sort of a situation, you know, when you've got someone who's, who's looking forward to a reward, surely the advice you would give them to persevere and to enjoy is, well, fix your eyes on the reward, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. That's what you say to the athlete. To the athlete, you say to them, you know, imagine what it's going to be like when you, you win the game or when you win the championship. Imagine what it's like when they're going to hang the gold medal around your neck. That's how you keep going. That's how you persevere. That's how you train hard and do all that you need to, to discipline your body to be the great. Because the, the athlete imagines that the reward is something that you can win. Or what about the farmer? What about the, the person who's working their way up the ladder in the company or something like that? Them too, you would say, and you keep your eyes on the prize. You know, imagine the day when you're CEO. Imagine the day when you're the one who gets to tell everyone else what to do. Imagine the salary packages. Keep your eyes on the prize. That's how you can endure. That's how you can work hard. That's how you can, you can knuckle under and do everything you want. Keep your eye on the reward. Because that person imagines that the reward is something you can earn. But what does Moses do? He keeps his eyes fixed on the one he trusts because he knows the rewards of God. They are not something you can win and they are not something that you can earn. They are something that you can only receive. They are a gift from God. And so he fixes his eyes on God, the one he trusts, And the one he knows will reward him. And that's how he perseveres. And you know what? That's what we need to do too. We need to fix our eyes on the one that we trust. Because what we have been promised in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not something we can win. And it's not something we can earn. It is only something that we can receive. It is a gift from God through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So here's the thing. We, in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, we actually have everything that we need to have the same kind of faith as Moses and to even make the same kind of choices as Moses. We know the one we trust. We know Jesus. The greatest example of God's faithfulness to us. Jesus who left a greater palace than Moses. Jesus who suffered more than Moses. Jesus who endured not just rejection but even death from his very own people. And Jesus brings us a greater salvation than Moses. Moses brought the people out of freedom from slavery and even led them to the very edge of the promised land. But Jesus Christ by his blood shed on the cross, he frees us from sin. And even death. And he promises us eternal life with his father. He promises us a home. A place in his father's house that he has lovingly prepared for us. And he even promises that he will be the one to come and to take us to be with him. And to be with him forever. And yes, there is a cost. Jesus doesn't shy away from telling us the cost either. Like Moses, we will have to endure and persevere. We will have to fix our eyes on the one we trust, on Jesus. 
There will be hard times. In fact, Hebrews 11 is written specifically to encourage Christians who are going through hard times. Choosing to side with Jesus does mean that the world that rejected Jesus will reject us also. And that is hard because the world to us, sometimes it'll be our friends. Sometimes it'll be the people we go to university with or or to work with. Sometimes it will even be our very own family. But having seen Jesus, how can we not have the same faith as Moses? And how can we not make the same choices as Moses? How can we not choose Jesus and reject sin? How can we not persevere fixing our eyes on Jesus? How can we not trust the absolutely trustworthy message from the absolutely trustworthy messenger? And how can we not do that most simple thing in the world? Give up on the little things of now. Give up on those those short-term things for the sake of the much greater reward that God promises that he will give us. And do it because we trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we believe you. And yet, Lord, help us with our unbelief. The struggle to trust you and your promises, it's before us every day. And our lack of faith in you is seen in our choices every day. And yet you are so faithful to us. Your promises are true and your mercies are new every morning. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us, Lord, to trust the promises that you have made to us. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to choose him every day. And we ask it not just for our own sake, but even for the sake of Jesus, our Saviour, and his kingdom. Amen.